Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So this actually happened to a rather close friend of mine. He told me this story a few hours ago and I wanted to share it here. For the purpose of this story too, I'll call my friend Jordan. Anyways, he lives in Hayward and was attending a march for the BLM movement at around 4pm I think. I don't know what street or anything specific like that. He just sent me a couple of videos of the crowd marching and taking a knee and whatnot. So, after about 10 minutes though, he said that they were passing through a street line with shops and alleyways. There was an older man sitting on a curb by one alleyway watching the march. Jordan describes the man as looking upper 40s, wearing a black and white flannel shirt, jeans and cap. And Jordan had the misfortune of walking nearby said alleyway. And the man stopped him, saying something along the lines of that he needed help fixing his passenger seat since the recliner handle was broken and it was a two-person job to get it back into its upright position. The man gestured towards his car, which Jordan examined. It was a black Chevy Malibu that was parked in possibly the most sketchiest part of the alley, right towards the back, kind of hidden behind a trash dumpster. Jordan declined and quickly walked away before the man could say anything else, and for his sake, I wish the story ended there, but I wouldn't be sharing this if it did. I think sometime later, like an hour maybe, Jordan decided to start heading home while the march continued. He says that he was cutting across some field that was in between houses where only two other people were in sight. And as soon as he emerged to the other side, his air was suddenly cut off as a thick arm wrapped around his throat and began aggressively yanking him backwards. Of course, Jordan yelled as loud as he could, and thankfully the aforementioned two guys began to rush to his aid, shouting at Jordan's attacker. The guy let go and pushed Jordan, and as Jordan stumbled forwards, he spun around and saw the guy who had asked him for help with his car hopping into the Chevy Malibu and speeding off. The two other people asked Jordan if he was okay and comforted him and whatnot. Keep in mind that Jordan only told me this over a few texts and I haven't gotten a chance to talk to him in public about it, so some more details may have been spared. 
I think Jordan contemplated calling the police at one stage, but didn't think that it was worth it in the end. He told me that they were probably busy enough anyway, and he might be ignored or have an extremely long response time, to which the only info that he had was a description of the guy anyway. Unfortunately, he just hadn't gotten the guy's license plate. Jordan went home after this though, and that's pretty much all that he's told me so far. And I know that it might sound cliche, but please, everyone stay safe out there. These are terrible times, and with all the looting and the protests and stuff like that, things like this are just bound to happen. So, I've been wanting to post this for a while now, but I just really haven't gotten around to it. But I think it's time that I do. So I, a 33-year-old female, live at a funeral home owned and run by my dad. I live in an apartment upstairs and do some side work for my dad, but I don't work for the funeral home per se. Since I live here though, I tend to interact with a lot of people who are here for funeral-related things and whatnot. I represent my dad when I'm speaking to someone here, so I'm always nice and helpful. And I'll admit that I've had a couple of crazy people that I've dealt with, but nothing like this one. This was in mid-March sometime because it was right at the beginning of the whole COVID takeover. I had gone to pick up some food for my family around 6pm. Unless there is a service, the employees are usually gone and I believe it was a Saturday as well. So I pull into my parking lot and as I park, a car drives by me going towards the entrance side. It was a dark SUV and there are so many people who work here who have similar cars that I couldn't see from that far who it was, but I gave a quick wave thinking that it was somebody that I knew. Bad idea. So the car stops and this guy gets out. Like I said, I'm used to having to help people and tell them where they can go and drop things off or pick stuff up, etc. So this guy gets out and comes towards my car. I roll down my window a little expecting to just say hello and tell him that nobody's here working. He comes right over to my window and starts leaning in and peering into my car, which was obviously a red flag already. It was very invasive. In fact, I'm now glad that my doors were locked and I only put it down a little bit. But this dude basically had his head in my car and it really creeped me out. But before anything else, his eyes just really scared me. He was really, really pale with bright red hair and his eyes were literally the craziest and scariest eyes that I've ever seen. It was chilling and I don't know if he was on drugs or just crazy, but I'm already uncomfortable at this point. But he starts to talk to me and ask me if I work here and blah blah blah. I tell him no, no one is working, please call tomorrow in the morning and you can speak to someone. And honestly, I thought that that would be it. Not even close though. This man came to bring me an application to my father to work for the funeral home. He was apparently in IT or something, but had studied in embalming and also volunteered for the Red Cross or something. He was just talking a mile a minute and I was so incredibly uncomfortable, but even more so when he started to tell me about how certain embalming techniques he studied included hanging cadavers by their feet and other just insane and really sick stuff. He had absolutely no experience in embalming though. He cornered me in my car for 15 minutes and just rambled. I told him several times, please call tomorrow morning, I really can't help you. 
So now I'm sitting here in my car with this insane man outside of my car and I also had food on my seat. He was looking into my car so he saw it. You would think that he would take the hint. At some point I texted my husband and said come outside now. Thank God that he actually saw my text and came out too. He comes up to this guy though and he was like can I help you? And then the guy starts cornering my husband too. This guy had absolutely no idea what personal space was and my husband kept backing up and he would move closer every time. I took an opportunity to grab the food and get out since he was outside and when I got out he started telling my husband and I this virus is going around and there are going to be dead bodies piling up. They're going to need extra help here when there are hundreds of bodies dead. And the creepiest part was that it almost sounded like he was excited at that thought. He had a resume and I told him multiple times to please bring it by again. I didn't even want to touch anything that he had but he forced it into my husband's hands. I went to the stairs and gave my husband a concerned look and motioned for him to come in. This guy just made me so extremely nervous and I didn't want my husband out there any longer. But this guy was almost impossible to walk away from. He just didn't understand that this conversation was done. But eventually we managed to get away from this freak and we got inside. I immediately called my dad to explain what had happened and warn him of this guy. I told my dad that I had never felt more uncomfortable in my life and there was something seriously wrong with this guy. I wanted to warn him that he would probably be back the next day and oh did he come back. A couple of days later, mid-morning, I'm upstairs in my apartment and there are several employees in the office upstairs. I hear someone ring the doorbell once, twice, three times. He then proceeded to ring it non-stop for 15 minutes. They assumed it was him and didn't answer. I went out and was like, what the heck is with the doorbell? They knew it was him apparently because he had called earlier and wanted to talk to my dad and one of the employees told him that we aren't hiring but he insisted on talking to my dad so he came by. Then after the doorbell went off for several minutes the phone started ringing off the hook. Next he was going around to all the windows and pounding on them relentlessly. I had actually told them how crazy he was but I was sort of glad that they could now see what I meant and that I wasn't overreacting. Eventually, my older brother went down with a mask on. Like I said, this was right in the beginning and people weren't even wearing masks regularly, but this guy had no boundaries. He then cornered my brother the same way and would not let him leave and end the conversation. We were all just thinking, what the heck is wrong with this guy? My dad didn't want to talk to him, but he just wouldn't give up. Next day, he comes back again, same thing, banging on the windows and ringing the bell, calling incessantly, and eventually my dad's secretary answered the phone and put this guy in his place and told him that if he called again that they would be calling the cops. The best part too is that every time he showed up, he showed up in full, top to bottom, biker gear, spandex, helmet, knee pads, you name it even though he apparently lived just a few streets over. This guy, man, was just absolutely crazy. And I'm so thankful that he hasn't come back yet.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So allow me to set the stage for this. I was young at the time that this took place. I was a Marine and I was on my first deployment to Afghanistan. Not too far from my platoon's patrol base, three or six kilometers or so, was this structure that looked like a castle. Through interpreted conversations with locals, we were actually able to determine that they believed it was built by Alexander the Great. But whether that was true or not, I'll never know, but let me tell you that this place looked absolutely ancient. So, being Marines, we did the only thing that we thought was prudent at the time. We went out on patrol with the intent of setting up an OP inside the structure. We took our Afghan border police with us. When we got closer to the structure and our Afghans figured out what when we got close to the structure and our Afghans figured out what we were up to, they just refused to go any further. But before they left, they kept repeating the same word over and over. But don't ask me to remember what it was because this was like a decade ago and there is no way that I can remember that. But what I do know now is that they were trying to warn us of something evil. We went in anyway though without our Afghans, with the intent of staying there overnight. This place was basically an ancient fort with mud and clay brick walls on four sides. It also had some sort of a building in the middle, so we set security up, made sure we had comm checks with our patrol base, and they had an updated position report on us so they knew where we were in case we got into trouble. And darkness fell. Not too long after that, I went up to take my turn on the wall with my friend, watch for anyone that might be trying to sneak up on us and many other Taliban-related shenanigans. And not even 20 minutes into our shift was when the weird stuff started going down. The entire time that I was on the wall, I, I don't know, I just felt watched from all sides. I turned to see a figure walking along the wall, not far from where we were sitting. I saw walking, but... It was sort of a, a robed figure that looked to me almost floating. I turned to my friend to see if he saw it too, and he said that he did. But when he got his night vision back on, it was his turn to rest. The figure was just gone. But we didn't see anything else after that for the rest of our shift though. We sort of uneasily finished and went to rest where I ended up dozing off at some point. I don't really know what happened next too, but... I woke up to a completely black figure literally squatting on my chest. When I went to yell for help too, nothing came out and it felt like I had a hand over my mouth. I reached for my knife, I was a machine gunner and couldn't just grab my machine gun, and felt like something was pinning my arm to the ground. 
I tried to squirm free but couldn't move, so I bit down as hard as I could on what felt like a hand on my mouth. At this point, whatever weight was on me instantly disappeared and I could move and I could talk again. I was obviously freaking out and my brothers who were around me saw me as well. My training had kicked in and I was trying my best to keep quiet and not pass out because I was hyperventilating. My squad mates calmed me down and after telling them what had happened, they all admitted to having the creeps and a feeling of being watched the whole time that we were there too. None of us could really sleep after that and we all basically sat back to back for the rest of the night when we went on watch. We were pretty freaked out and so every noise and rustle of the wind made it even worse in the total silence of that ancient fort in that ancient desert. If you haven't experienced the silence of an open desert in a part of the world where there is absolutely zero light and noise pollution, and I suppose it's probably hard to appreciate just how any noise in a place like that in the middle of the night in total darkness when you're already alert to sounds of the enemy and now on even higher alert from something that you can't understand is just about the scariest thing anyone can ever experience. I really don't think I'll ever experience that kind of fear again in my life, ever. To finish quickly though, as soon as the sun came up we left and everyone was totally scared and none of us spoke about it again to each other. We never went back to that area again as well and... I still suffer from nightmares and sleep paralysis because of my personal experience that night in that place. The scariest part of this whole thing though is that I know that it's probably just in my head though. But that's my, I guess, ghost story for you guys. And if you stuck it out then thank you. I appreciate that you've let me get this off my chest. This happened 25 years ago. I was 17 years old, 5 foot tall and at the most 95 pounds soaking wet. On this day I was driving a few friends home after spending all day at this lake and because of this I was wearing a bikini with some cut off shorts. I was just about to drop off my last passenger who was in the back seat and head home. I had just come off the freeway and turned on the main road into town. As I pulled up to a red light there was a, an ambulance in the lane to my left pulling up alongside of me. Shortly after, the light turned green and we all moved forward. I heard the whoop of the siren. I checked my mirrors and I looked to my left and saw the ambulance driver had his window down and was yelling at me, telling me to pull over. I was initially confused as the siren had only been on for a small moment. I wondered if I had somehow missed seeing their lights on or something that... Maybe they needed me to pull over so that they could pass for an emergency. But I was even more surprised and confused when the ambulance pulled up right next to me and the driver got out and approached my door. He then asked me to step out of the vehicle to speak with him. I was confused, so I asked why I was being pulled over. He again asked me to step out of the car with my license and registration. So I grabbed my license and registration out of the glove compartment and stepped out of the car and said... I didn't think an ambulance could pull you over like this. My friend in the back seat piped up at that moment saying that there was something off about this. 
The driver's eyes grew wide and he leaned into the car window telling my friend to shut up unless he'd like to be in the pair of cuffs. I again asked why he was pulling me over. This wasn't like any time I'd been pulled over in the past and the looks of the ambulance driver had been given me until now were making me feel incredibly uncomfortable. I felt just really exposed so I brought my arms up over my chest. The hair on my arms was standing on end and my gut was churning. The driver told me that he pulled me over due to my car not having a front license plate. But then I thought that he wouldn't have been able to have seen that until he pulled up and got out of the vehicle. But I did have one in the front passenger side of the windshield so I didn't have a place to attach a license plate in the front of my car. I tried to point out that I had one in the windshield but... He just kept saying how much trouble I was in and that he needed my driver's license and registration. He then kept talking over me and yelling at me for many of my questions. He sounded incredibly angry and he eventually made a big deal of telling me that I was so lucky that he was letting me off with a warning and that I better not let it happen again. The whole thing was just really bizarre and left me feeling nervous and off balance. Looking back at everything now though, it's... I felt like he was trying to keep me scared so I wouldn't question things. He didn't have a name tag on or anything or show me a badge too. He didn't have any official ticket paper. I didn't see a partner in the ambulance and I really feel like he was counting on my youth and insecurity or fear to keep me compliant. I also think that I was lucky to have a friend in my car to witness everything and quite honestly I feel like that may have actually put a stop to whatever was in the driver's mind and made him so angry. I remember going home just really worried about everything, analyzing everything about the encounter and freaking out that he had my personal information now. I mean, I was already living on my own and not close to my family at that time, so I didn't feel like I had anyone that I could talk to about it. But I calmed down a bit once I remembered that my ID and registration were actually not up to date yet. I had actually moved twice that year and hadn't updated anything yet. This was in the mid-90s, so no online databases like there are now. Obviously, the whole thing freaked me out for sure, and there was just something really malicious about this guy that I still can't put my finger on. I'm a female and was 19 years old when this took place. It wasn't overly late, probably about 8pm, but it was winter so it was already dark. I was walking home from visiting a friend and about 20 minutes from home. It was quiet and I had my headphones in, just listening to music, so I didn't hear this guy approach from behind me. All of a sudden this cyclist has slammed his brakes on directly beside me and is staring at me. I take my headphones out and I glance at him, but he doesn't speak, just stares. I keep walking, I'm pretty close to home now anyway, so I wasn't too worried. This guy starts cycling again, slowly now, matching my walking speed. I keep my eyes forward and ignore him, fully aware that he's still looking at me. To get to my flat, I had to walk down this really quiet, dark country lane, and although it was very long, it wasn't an ideal place to be with this guy. So I stopped and glanced down at my phone, hoping that he would keep going. He did, for a short while, but then he stopped and turned to watch me. 
There was no way that I was walking down that lane with this guy still there, so I crossed the street and went down another road, a well-lit one with lots of houses, hoping that it would be safer. And that was when he said something that chilled me to my core. Hey, where are you going? You don't live that way. I know where you live. He could have been bluffing, but the way that he said it, I believed him. I was terrified. I dialed my parents' number and kept walking, aware of this guy following me even now. When my partner answered, I quietly asked him to come and get me when I heard the guy go, Oh no, and he cycled off ahead of me. I don't know what startled him so much. I guess it was because he thought that I was calling the police, but he took off and... I'm forever grateful that he did. So this happened around 2017 or 2018, somewhere around there anyway. I was in the 8th grade and quite tall for my age, 5'9". The house was for sale in my neighbourhood and was filled pretty quickly since I lived next door to a school. Every day for a week, too, I saw someone stand in front of the house, and I assumed it was just the new neighbor. But one day, I got off the bus and started walking down the street. It was in winter, Canada, and there were like tents where you put your car so it doesn't get snow on it. And obviously, you can't see behind it. So when I was walking next to the one of the new neighbor's house, he was actually behind it, and just grabbed me by my arm quickly and started trying to pull me inside, on quick reflexes, I hit him in the face with my keys and he let go of me. I quickly ran to my house and I called the police. He was never caught and the police patrolled my neighborhood for a week after that. And I also found out later that he wasn't even my new neighbor. Back in 2015, I was working as a live-in home health aide for a wealthy family. It was just me and my patient living in a very nice condo in a quiet neighborhood on a golf course. We were the youngest people who lived there. I was 27 at the time. My patient was a 21-year-old male with Asperger's, SPD and BPD, and also some substance abuse problems too. He had recently got into some trouble and been legally declared incompetent. His name was Jake. Now, Jake was a nice kid, but he had severe emotional issues and almost no social awareness, compounded by the refusal to take prescribed medication, which worked incredibly well when he took it, mind you, and drug abuse as well. It was a real challenge. He was taken advantage of a lot because of the crowd that he hung around with. Right before I moved in, in fact, six friends came to hang out with Jake one day and ended up staying for two weeks, draining Jake's bank account on various drugs like meth, coke, MDMA, weed, you name it, and absolutely trashing the condo. Jake was lonely though and he just never really said no to people. He wanted them to like him. But quite honestly, I think Jake was like maybe 14 or 15 year olds mentally, so I think that he turned to drugs to deal with depression and anxiety eventually, and also to fit in with the people around him. He's much better now though, and things have changed a lot since then. But anyway, it was a real sweet gig, 
I was paid very well, lived in a nice condo rent-free, and basically just had to keep our house clean, keep food in the fridge, and make sure that he took his medication. When I moved in, my boss, Jake's mother, warned me about a girl, though, who occasionally stayed with her father, who was our downstairs neighbor. She told me that the girl was named Amber and that she looked younger but she was like 37 years old, tall, blonde and very thin. She was right too, she looked much younger, like 25ish or something. She said that Amber didn't have a car or a job too and that she was an addict who liked to use Jake. Amber's father had custody of her two children and she would come visit the kids and stay for a few days a week sometimes. She said too that one day Amber asked to borrow Jake's car for an hour and ended up running off with it for two weeks. Amber was also the one who introduced Jake to the six friends who trashed the condo. In other words, she was real bad news and was never allowed to be in the condo. She wanted me to call her immediately too if Amber stopped by or Jake went anywhere with her. After the theft as well, she put a GPS on Jake's car or something and allegedly she could stop the engine. But my boss made it clear that she didn't expect me to be a security guard or anything, just to notify her of things that were going on. So, leading up to this event, I had a few run-ins with this Amber character where I had to politely tell her that things like she was not allowed to come into the apartment, Jake could not take her to the store or anywhere, no, Jake couldn't go to a party at her boyfriend's house. Stuff like that. Amber was always spaced out too. She talked really slow and seemed just really wide-eyed and off. She explained to me that she'd been hit by a car at some stage while riding a bike recently and complained that she was the one who ended up going to jail. I was like, how the heck did that happen? Apparently, she takes a lot of Xanax and was under the influence. So I think that that explains the spaced out part at least. But anyway, she was never really aggressive, but it was clear that she didn't like me and often would say things like, Jake is his own person, he's a 21-year-old man, he doesn't need permission. Whenever she spoke to Jake, when we saw her at the gym or the parking lot, she would be whispering sweet nothings to him, no doubt trying to manipulate him into giving her money or something. But one day, Jake was actually out of state with his father giving me a mini vacation. My best friend was staying over to spend a few days with me and we were drinking PBR and just watching RuPaul's Drag Race. It's like 11pm and we hear a light knock on the door. I go to investigate through the people and I see that it's Amber. I ignore her. She knocks louder about 30 seconds later and I watched her leave through the peephole and I sit back down, telling my friend the situation. Five minutes go by and she's back. This time though, she's pounding on the door like a cop. I'm getting annoyed by this because I'm off work and I don't want to deal with her craziness tonight, especially when my friend is over. So I say nothing and I go back to the couch. She knocks like a normal person eventually and starts saying, Hello, Jake, are you there? I need help, hello. I still don't answer. But then I hear her try to open the door. It's locked, thankfully. Always, too, because I'm a habitual door locker. And this enrages her or something, and she starts screaming and pounding on the door just non-stop. I get up and look through the peephole again, and she looks like a demon. 
and her pupils were absolutely huge, so I immediately think that she's on something for sure. She looked crazed though. Her hair was tangled and wild. She was really sweaty and just super angry. Looking back too, I'll never forget those wide pupils looking at me through an evil glare like that. In the end, I ask her through the door what she wants. She said that she needs to speak to Jake right now. He owes her money or something? Which was laughable, but she apparently needs a ride to her boyfriend's, like right now. I tell her Jake isn't home. She then asks me if I'll take her, and I tell her no. I've been drinking anyway, and I'm going to bed. She then let out a frustrated scream, punched the door, and just left. My friend and I went to bed shortly after that, and we didn't hear from her again that night. The next morning, we are getting ready to leave to go to breakfast, when I hear a knock like a policeman's knock on the door. You know the sound when you've heard it. It's pretty much unforgettable. But I look through the peephole expecting to see Amber again. But this time, it's an actual cop. I open my door and I can now see my parking lot is full of police. And there's a van marked crime scene unit and an ambulance too. I honestly assumed at first that Amber had overdosed or something. But the cop wants to ask me if I heard anything strange last night. So I go ahead and tell him about my encounter with Amber and ask if she's okay. And he tells me that she's apparently in custody for the murder of her father. And does Jake own a crossbow and is it missing? And yeah, actually it is. It's been missing for weeks. He then says that I need to speak to some detective at the station. I started thinking about what had happened that night and... I don't know if she came to my door before or after she murdered her father with a crossbow nonetheless, like she's Tyrion Lannister or something, but the detective told me that his theory was that she was a heroin addict and she was withdrawing and needed to get to her boyfriend's for more dope. She then tried to get Jake to drive her and when that didn't work, she asked her father who refused. And this is apparently what went down. So they argued, other neighbors heard that, and she killed him with the stolen crossbow and stole his truck. She only got a mile away too before she was signaled to pull over. She led the cops in a high-speed chase over the span of two counties before she finally lost control and crashed. The cops were only pulling her over on suspicion of drink driving at first, but when they went to speak to her... She told them that she was speeding because she needed to check on her dad. She thinks that somebody may have stabbed him. They asked her why she thought that, but she allegedly wouldn't answer. They sent police for a welfare check and they found him before her sons did. And so, that was the time that my crazy drug addict neighbor murdered her father with my patient's crossbow and then went on a high-speed chase with the cops over two counties. So I was about seven when this happened. My sister was uh, unfortunately a really sick kid growing up and needed round-the-clock medical monitoring so as a result we had a staff of lovely nurses who would come stay at night and make sure that she made it through the night okay. 
There was only ever one nurse per shift and they would stay up and watch cartoons quietly in our living room. But me being a little kid, I love cartoons as well, so I would wake up most nights at three and go into the living room for some secret snacks, a snuggle and some Bugs Bunny. These nurses were like family to us at this point and I adored them. Anyway, one morning I woke up to see a nurse that I didn't recognize sitting on the couch. I thought that that was unusual because it was always the same four ladies rotating through shifts, but I was willing to make a new friend. I walked out in my blanket and introduced myself. This new lady said, nice to meet you so-and-so, I'm here to watch your sister and to make sure that she stays with us. I thought that this was a sort of odd statement and I also noted how her clothes resembled the clothes that I saw my mum wearing in photos when she was a teenager, late 80s clothing. But nonetheless, I sat down on the couch. When after a few seconds, one of my sister's usual nurses came out of the kitchen with two cups of tea and said, Who are you talking to, sweetheart? I heard you get up. I quickly looked over, but the woman beside me was gone. And I was obviously very confused. I uh, told her the entire story and... She said that I must have been sleepwalking, but it's still a very real memory to me, and I mean, I even smelled her perfume as I sat beside her on the couch. I also want to add, too, that during the time my sister was sick, we, my mother in particular, had many, many experiences, which makes me believe to this day that my sister, she was being taken care of, not only by people in this realm, but also by people in the next. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.